power is interesting because it's rarely neutral. And, and power is often very intoxicating. In fact, if you were watching that trailer and sort of trying to, okay, where are we going with this trailer today? Then you heard Dr. Hank Pym, played by Michael Douglas. He said something very interesting about power. He says, you give God-like powers to everyone and it's going to be chaos. You just start giving power away to people, they're going to misuse it. Now, all of us know that instinctively. Some of us can tell a story of someone who had power in our life and they mishandled it. Maybe they physically abused us. Some of us can tell a very painful story of someone how someone used their influence, their authority in our lives, and they hurt us emotionally. Maybe they've hurt us professionally. They damaged us spiritually. Some of us can tell a story of a pastor, a spiritual leader in our life, who leveraged God, leveraged the book, leveraged the teaching of Jesus to manipulate, to control us, to constrict us. And we've had to kind of like work through that, or we're stuck because of that. I know someone in my friendship who cannot come into a room like this during worship and sing because it's simply too painful for them right now. So they have to wait. What happened there? Someone misused their power. They abused it. On the other hand, some of us can tell a, a, really, power, a really beautiful story of when someone used their power to our benefit. You, wrong, you wronged them, you did something that hurt them, and they forgave you, even though you didn't deserve it. You felt the relief from that. Maybe you had a boss who you didn't really know what you were doing. I mean, being honest, you were kind of, you had a little education or something like that, but they said, you know what, I see something in you, I recognize some talent in you, I'm going to take my authority and I'm going to give you a degree of authority and influence, and you look at your success and you can trace it right back to that moment someone empowered you even though you didn't deserve it. And I like what... Hope said, the, the, one, the other character there, that's Dr. Pym's daughter, and she says about power, you have to learn to control it. And so much of my life, and maybe perhaps yours is, I've really never had somebody sit down with me and say, let's talk about how you manage the authority you've been given. Let's go to Scripture and see what Jesus did with His authority. Instead, we often do what we only naturally do. We take our questions of authority and power to culture. What's everybody else doing around me? And it seems like what everybody else is doing around me is they're powering up. They're not powering down. They're not becoming ant men and ant women. They're trying to gain more authority, more power, get larger. So we're going to look at a scripture today in Philippians chapter 2. And I'm telling you, this, this set of verses will transform your life and how you see and how you understand power. And it has the power to shape how you'll do relationships. 
if you want it to. If you want it to. Now, there's a little bit of a backstory to where we're going to end up today that would be helpful, so we need to kind of just back up a little bit before we dive in. Philippians chapter 2, Jesus has died, he was buried, he was rose again. Then in the book of Acts, right out of the Gospels, there's a book called Acts, A-C-T-S, not Acts, but Acts, and it's the story about the early church. Jesus comes to this group of kind of be, you know, belittled, powerless group of people. You've got to remember, they've just seen the guy they've followed for the last three years get murdered, so they're pretty discouraged. They feel like it's all sort of falling apart, and maybe Jesus wasn't who he said he was, and they're like, what the heck did we just do? Jesus shows up. The hero comes on the scene and says, I'm alive, and here's what I'm going to do now. I have all this authority. I've been given all this power. The keys of death and life are now in my hand, and I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to empower you. And you will have the same power, the same authority that I had. And then all of a sudden, like literally overnight, these groups, this little group of misfits become legend i mean they just become rock stars they become movies i mean whatever you want to say they are just it in jerusalem and people are being drawn to them people are flocking to them people want to understand what they think and what they believe and they're stunned by this and you know what they did with this newly given power to them and this newly set of influence you know what they did with it They did exactly what Jesus did with his. They didn't build their little kingdoms. They gave it away. They powered down. They acted in humility, and they sought out to use their power to advance God's agenda before they tried to advance their own. That's different. That's different than how I use power. That's different than perhaps you're using your power. So maybe we have some things here to learn about power today. Maybe we have some things to fix. Maybe we have some things that we've used power in such a way that we've got to bring it now to God and go, you know, I've got some repentance to do. Before you take the power that I have over my kids away, God, because I've mishandled it, would you redeem it? God, I've misused my power at work. I've made it all about me. God, don't take that away. Don't give it away, because you can't trust me with it. I want to honor you with the power that I have. Before we dive into Paul's words, perhaps we need to be really honest and just ask some questions this morning. Do my actions, does my life reflect the humility of the one I claim to follow? Or... Do I look like the Iron Man and the Iron Woman that is on TV where it's all about them? So Philippians chapter 2, we're going to have some fun work to do today. If you brought your Bibles, you probably know where that is. More than welcome to look on the slides, but also open up your smartphones and you can go out to version and get, on, get online for that particular verse. Philippians chapter 2, we're going to open it up here. and We're just going to walk through a set of passages. We're going to pause. We'll make observations. And then we'll leave here with some application points. Here's here's where Paul just goes right out of the gate. Do nothing out of selfish ambition 
or vain conceit. Right there, we could close the book and go home, couldn't we? That, that is a transforming statement alone. You don't, we don't really need much more to learn on if we were to just say, that's my life, that's, that's your goal this week. That's your goal, friends. In every relationship and in every opportunity, don't do anything out of your ambition or your vain conceit. But Paul says here, let me give you the opposite of it. Rather, in humility value others above yourself to which i say which others who who should i value lord the people that vote like me the people that look like me the people that have my same skin color same economic positions i all value those people value my family you don't mean everybody you mean the people that I don't like? You mean the people that I call idiots and morons because they don't do what I do because, you know, I'm right. You mean I need to value them? And then he continues. Not looking to your own interest. What? Not looking to your own interest but each of you to the interest of others. There he is again. Gee, Paul, why are you connecting my faith to my relationships? I mean, Paul, let's be spiritual. I'll listen to this guy on TV and enjoy it and get really, oh man, he makes me feel happy. But please don't connect it to how I treat the people I work with. Paul says, I, it doesn't get separated. It doesn't get separated. He, in fact, he says, this idea of not looking to your own interest. You know what Paul is trying to get to? He's basically saying, be a person who looks around and says, what's, my, what's your interest? Hey, 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 man. You work with me. What, what's your agenda? How do I leverage whatever influence I have, whatever power I've been given, to advance your plans? That's different, isn't it? Because we live in a world that simply is all about advancing our agenda. Powering up. See, my default is perhaps your default. It's to look after my interests. I'll consider your needs as long as they're, they don't collide with getting my needs met first. If I can squeeze your needs in, great. But if your needs could supersede my needs, well, then we've got a problem. And you know what I'll do? I'll even paint it with a little spiritual color called god told me i mean who can argue about that i'd prayed about it oh i wish i could help you but i prayed about it just don't feel like the lord's calling me to that have you read philippians 2 well i just feel like the lord's doing something special not that I've ever seen any of that kind of behavior before. 
But Paul just continues. I mean, he just gets on his pogo stick and starts jumping, you know. He says, he does something really interesting, you know. He doesn't connect this to a moral, you know, idea. You know, New Age, and it's just kind of esoteric, and it's out there, and whatever your truth is is your truth, and, you know, oh, hey, that's good for you. Paul connects it to a person. See, the difference in Christianity is we connect our beliefs and our actions to a person, not a document, not, not somebody sitting here on stage, not to what you think. We connect it back to a person, what they did. And Jesus, how he lived, this is what Paul does. Verse 5, in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. So basically, Paul's just using good logic. All he's saying is, hey, listen, if you claim to follow Jesus, and that's really who he's speaking to here, if you don't claim to follow Jesus, power up. Get after it, man. Go be Iron Man. Do your thing. But if you're serious about following Jesus... Paul says, then you should mimic Jesus. You should just behave like, you should go to work on Monday and people go, is that Jesus? And they see Jesus primarily by how you're treating people, not by what you put on the back of your car or what you post on Facebook or what, you know, they're saying, no, 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 no. How they treat me. How they treat me is what Paul is raising the standard on. So how did Jesus do it? How did Jesus use power? Well, let's continue. Verse 6. Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be, what? Used to whose advantage? To whose advantage? To his own. Now, okay, this is where cults love to kind of tweak this verse and get it all jacked up. This is, not, this, this is what this verse means. Jesus claimed to be God. Jesus said, I am divine. When people thought he was God, he didn't say, oh, no, 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 no. I'm a moral teacher. I'm a very good teacher. No, he lived his life, said he was God, did things that were God-like, so he thought he had full authority as God. But here's what he didn't do. He still kind of held all that, but what he did was he restrained it. In fact, he didn't leverage it for his benefit. He could have walked on the scene and said, listen, Hey, everybody rally up here. I created this whole mess. I'm going to fix this mess. Just get out of my way. I'm God. Everybody clear? All right, break up. One, two, three, go. He didn't do that. He didn't do that at all. In fact, what was really interesting about Jesus, you know, he wasn't a guy that would like sit around at a dinner party and everybody's like dipping shrimp. And he's like, you know, one time I was fishing Hey, Peter, tell them about the time I was fishing. I told you to throw those nets over. And like you got all those fish and we swamped those boats. You remember when I did that through you? He never did that. He never like, hey, what do you do for a living? Ah, I just create the world. What do you do? He just powered down. 
He was so human-like, people didn't think he was God. Because they were so used to their gods being like Iron Man, and I, just these superhumans. Here's God, fully divine, and yet fully humble, and fully a servant. See, he continues, he goes, rather he made himself nothing. Nothing. What are you making yourself? Like, what are you, do- what are you doing with yourself? What are you trying to make? I'm trying to make like a name. I'm trying to, like I'm trying to, you know, here's Jesus saying, I'm powering down, Andy, what are you doing? And he does this by taking the very nature of a servant. Servant. You know what? It's just so interesting, this idea. This is a very powerful thing, he says. He made himself nothing. He emptied himself of self. That's really what the writer's trying to communicate. He emptied himself of self. You know what self is? Self is that thing that causes a problem in your marriage. You know that thing? That's self. You know what self is? That thing at at, at work where you're trying to advance your plans, your coworkers are trying to advance their plans, and you're trying to figure out whose plans are going to work. So when the boss comes in, you don't aggressively make your, your, your coworkers look like knuckleheads. But you certainly want your boss to know you're getting it right. That's self. That's self. You know, self is that thing that says as a manager, you're going to do what I want you to do the way I want you to do it. That's self. And it's important because Jesus was not disguising who God is. He wasn't playing Halloween. You know, like you can take the mask off and go, surprise! No, he was revealing who God is. The, the, the thing is that God is a servant. He is a servant. And then Jesus, in going back to Acts, he empowers his followers. We've got to catch this. He empowers his followers not to simply be rule followers, not to simply go and fulfill the Ten Commandments, not to be just more moral than the people that they live next to, not to simply just occupy a few hours once a week and then really give no regard to him in any other arena of your life. He says, I'm going to empower you and I'm going to transform your nature. I'm going to do such a deep work within you, and we talked about this in other weeks, that you actually become a servant. You actually use this authority, this power I've given you, and you shrink down. Now, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but I have. Sometimes God, I think in His infinite wisdom, will use circumstances to shrink us down. He will humble us. And we keep trying to power up. So maybe there's something to really learn in humility. In fact, really, Jesus continues with this idea to just simply saying, if you want to know the work of God in your heart, how are you doing at the people I've placed in your life? How are you treating them? Not what do you think and how do you treat them? Do you even know them? 
Do you kind of know what matters to them? Do you care about what matters to them? Do you see them as someone to serve or someone to use? Do you approach your friendships from what you can get from them? Or do you approach your friendships from what you can give? Do your employees, are they just a conduit for you to advance to the next pay grade? Or are they people that you try to empower? That's different, isn't it? That's, that's a different way to think. It's interesting, on Saturday, uh, I was with my kids, and we were hanging out with some friends from out of town. My kids are, are little, and I said to them, hey, uh, today, here's what I want you to do. I want you to lay aside, because I'm teaching, so I was thinking all about this, lay aside your agenda, your plans, and I want you to find out what your friends want to do, and I want you to go do that. I don't want you to ask, uh, you know, hey, can you do this? I want you to say, what do you want to do? And I want you to go do it. That's all you're here to do today. We are here as a family to serve this family today. And Owen and Grace had a boatload of questions. <laughs> what do you mean, Dad? Hey, Dad, 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 Dad. What if I don't want to? And then they were like painting. What if they want to grab a snake and swallow it? You know, like all these extremes, you know. What if they want to get a gun, Dad? Should I get a gun and shoot? Are you saying I should shoot my brother? Because I'll shoot my brother if you want me to. You know, but they're coming up with scenario after scenario, objection after objection. I'm getting frustrated. And then I think about what I do when I read Philippians. I'm just like my kids. Whoa, 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 God. Question. What about him? What about that, the way they treated me? Whoa, 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 what about her? Come on. You know, don't you, you don't, I get a loophole, I get a pass on that guy. That's a great idea. We'll study it every Tuesday night with my friends. But I don't want to live it out on Wednesday. I don't want to live it out in my marriage. Are you saying I'm to empower my children and teach them about power? Are you kidding me? This is such, is such a powerful, life-changing study here I, I, to me as I think about my own life. and Let's continue with it. Verse 8. And being found in appearance as a man, again, he's talking about Jesus, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death. And then Paul, it's such a different way to die that he, he says, hey, listen, you know how he died? Died on a cross, man. I mean, that to everybody was like, what? You know, and most of the people, probably even at the time of the early disciples, would have known that. They would have yelled, crucify him. I mean, Jesus humbled himself to the point of death. I won't even humble myself enough to lose an argument. This then becomes kind of a launching pad into the universal problem of mankind, and that is that we have a sin problem. We have a gap that is so large, and we've tried to close it with, you know, good morals and, you know, politicians. We, we've done, you know, all kinds of actions to try to figure out how to close this inherent gap. You know the gap that you're, like, there's God, I'm here, and I don't know how to close that gap, you know, and God in his fullness of authority and power, 
and his love and his mercy towards you. You know what he doesn't do? He doesn't power up and say, you better get this gap closed and show me how you're going to love me. He says, you know what I'll do? I'll love you so much. I'll send my son who will walk among you. He will lay his authority down to the point that you will betray him. You will reject him. People will mock him. And he will never once power up. And he will go to a cross and die. So that I can close the gap. Even before you want the gap closed. Even before you thought there was a gap. That's how much God loves us. I don't know what you plan to do with your power. That's what our Savior did with His. I love this, uh, I love this uh, statement. When you're small. Did you catch that in the theater trailer? Watch it again if you missed it. When you're small, you have superhuman strength. And the more we filter what power we have through what Jesus said and how he used his power, the more we begin to say, let's let Philippians 2 inform what we do, we will find ourselves getting smaller, more vulnerable. Our human nature will say, you better, you better power up, pal. You're going to get taken advantage of. Nobody wants to get taken advantage of. Do you know your Savior got taken advantage of? Nobody wants to get mocked. You know, your Savior was mocked. Nobody wants to be misunderstood. Nobody wants to kind of, kind of serve the, and get in the back of the line. Your, your Jesus got in the back of the line. So here's a spoiler alert. When power is combined with extraordinary humility, I believe it's when power is at its best. I think that's when we clap and we say, my goodness, that's powerful. That's powerful. When we humble ourselves, God does this unique thing and he honors us. Look at the, look at the last verse we'll look at this morning. Therefore, in other words, in light of this death and the way, of, you know, the way Jesus lived and, and all that kind of thing, therefore something shifted God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. If this is to connect with us in any way, it connects in this way. That if we are people who will humble ourselves, who pursue humility first who say you know what god your spirit dwells in me your spirit is a servant your nature is a servant not to be served and i'm in a moment where i want to lean in and make it all about me i want to control this person i want to tell you know my family what to do my kids are i can manipulate them i don't want to do that god because that's what i do by my own nature but your nature is to serve would you empower me to be different Could you imagine the impact that will have on your family? I want you just to think about that for a moment. Can you imagine what would happen in your marriage if you said, hey, today I'm going to serve my spouse in such a way that their agenda is fulfilled? 
What if we took this dynamic to work? What if tomorrow morning, instead of you immediately going in and going, bop, 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 you said, hey, guys, let, tell me, what are you thinking? What are you, you know, and you tried to really lean into what your employees were thinking and doing, and you said, hey, man, I trust you with that. Let's, let's work on that. Does that scare you? Does that scare you? You probably then have some issues of control, and you've got to learn how to give power away. How would this affect, let me ask you another question as we go to wrap up this morning and get ready for some worship, some baptisms. How would this affect how you respond when someone wrongs you? You have all the power. You know, they're, they're dead to rights, man. They've, they've sinned, they've blown it, they've hurt you. How does this inform what you do with that? Does it possibly change how you treat people? Imagine if humility coupled with power was what was making the news and changing how we're responding to the ills of culture, to communities of people of color that I have no idea how I understand what they feel. Because I drive my car and I have no fears. But apparently, people of color have great fear. And in my color, I don't understand that, so sometimes I project a lack of compassion. Because I have power, I have authority. Just based on my position in life and the skin tone that I have, I don't understand the plight of minority cultures. But perhaps I should use my power and humble myself instead of yelling at the TV, what did they do wrong? They probably deserved it. You think that kind of thing? Then Philippians 2 is no longer just some verse that we study. It's what we do. It's what we do, church. It's how we live. And it's when the world goes, that's a Christianity I want to follow and know more about. Because they humble themselves. They don't inflate their egos and tell everybody who's right and wrong and because of your sexual preference, you need to go to hell and, you know. No, 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 no. We serve. We serve. That's different. So pull out your Connect card and let's, uh, let's engage today's message in some very practical ways. and Just hold on to it for a minute because I want to pray for all of us and then I'm just going to invite you to respond to today's message with some prompts. <clears throat> because here's the thing, I mean, if we're, if we're not going to behave differently this week, then what the heck were we doing here? <laughs> I'd rather be on a golf course, to be honest with you. I mean, it's gorgeous today. I'm here because I need my life to look different. All right, you know, I don't, I want to spend one more day trying to power up and live my life according to my thing. Then you get to it and you're like, man, I mishandled all my power. And now I have no influence over my kids. I lost my wife. Lived this faithless life that was just anemic and it was all about rules. And I judged everybody who didn't follow the rules I thought. None of us want to do that. God doesn't want to do that for you. So, Father, let's pray. Father, we're, 
We're just pausing right now and thinking about the arenas of power we have in the people lives that are closest to us. And I'm, I'm just praying that we'd be the kinds of people who leverage our power with great humility. And where there's been just this uh, displays of pride that have made us try to power up, we repent of that today. Just we repent of that. And today we confess our need for a Savior. We need just to recommit to this idea or commit to it for the first time. If today you'd like to just say, you know, Andy, I want to turn my life over to Jesus. I've never done that. You talk about Jesus in a way that I've never thought of Him. Today I want to ask forgiveness and invite Him to lead my life. Just in your own words, say, Jesus, forgive me and lead my life. I repent of trying to make my life all about me and not about you. And today I'm going to check that box A as a declaration that I am inviting Jesus to lead my life. Pastor Will said today we're going to be doing baptisms. Some of you, you know, you know it's time to be baptized. I'll be really candid with you. I talk to plenty of people and they're like, every time you guys do baptisms, I think about trying to get up. This is the day that you'll get up We'd encourage you to be baptized today. We've got all the gear you need. We've got the clothes, the hair dryer, everything you need. And today is not a statement of perfection. It's a statement of obedience. God wants to do a profound work in your life. We want to be obedient to it. This is a step of that. So I'd encourage you today, at the end of the message, to just simply walk over here to my right, to this door under that screen, and there'll be a team of people that will meet with you. All you have to say is, I don't really fully understand this thing. I just feel like God's telling me to be baptized. I've invited him to be the leader of my life. Now I'm going to follow that up. Today's your day, my friend. Be baptized. Check that box, or if you're not checking that box, just get up. And be baptized today, and we'll celebrate what God's doing. The next is an opportunity to say, you know, this is a week, I'm going to be a little more intentional with my service. There's three people in my life, I know God's going to put them in my life, and I'm going to serve them. Check that box. You could, All of us could check that. We'd love to hear your story about it on Facebook. Go out to our Facebook page this week, post your story about how you serve people. Not because you're trying to elevate attention to yourself, you're just trying to create this momentum where we start serving people. Check that box. We'd love to hear your story, by the way. And then lastly, we have a Bible reading plan, much like we've had the last couple weeks, where you can spend this week just renewing your mind, renewing your thoughts on the idea of serving. So you can sign up for this version reading plan. If you check that box, I'll follow up with you this week on some instructions on how to do that. Father, we are, we're praying that we as a community just celebrate you by serving like you leaving today feeling a little smaller as ant men and ant women. And I pray there'd be some families in this place that a year from now they go, wow, our family, man, we relearned how to use power. And we celebrate what you're going to do as decisions of faith, baptisms, and devotion are being made today. Come, Holy Spirit, come.